The big difference that I think I've really made for a lot of my female clients that are either divorced or widowed is that I've given them the feeling of being empowered, that they can do this on their own, that they don't have to depend on their spouse. We've now designed a plan specifically for them. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement plans. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of the Retire Happy Podcast with San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area with an office on Trina Street. Right there off of Interstate 15, next to Scripps Ranch High School. Find us online, listen to past episodes of the show, and subscribe all at GoSecurus.com. John, great to be with you this week. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm a year older now. A year older. All right. Me too. I think I'm a year older since we last talked. So happy birthday to us both. Yes, yes. Happy birthday. Did you do anything fun and exciting? We went camping up by wine country in Temecula, so it was a nice nice hot camping trip, but... We had uh, about four of us, all family and friends, so it was really cool. Both my best friends were in their uh, rigs, and then my dad and my mom, they all came up to celebrate. We did my birthday on the Saturday, so it was good. Awesome. How about you? Glad, glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, it was nice. We just stayed at home. I got a nice hookup, I think, for my birthday. Connie got me this like uh, really cool fire pit, um, like but a gas one, a gas fire pit. Yes. So um, we're going to have a lot of fun with that this fall. She's already using it. I'm like, it's 98 degrees outside. I'm not sitting by a fire pit. But. <laughs> yeah, those are cool. I have one for camping because some of the places nice. uh, up in the mountains, you can't do wood burning fire because of the fire dangers. Yes, um, I can imagine. So they're awesome. They go through propane real quick, but they're yeah, cool. Yeah, I can tell based on how how big you make that flame, how fast it'll roll through. But yeah, it's really neat. So I'm looking forward to using that when the uh, weather gets a little bit cooler here. Probably uh, not, not too far around the corner now. We'll start backing off some of this heat, that's for sure. But yeah, glad that you had a good birthday and I did as well. So we're both a year older and maybe a year wiser. I don't know. Perhaps today's show will tell the tale. Uh, we've got a great uh, couple of topics to dive into today. We've got a good mailbag question that we'll end the show with later on with a question from Millie, wondering about 401ks, Roth IRAs, brokerage accounts, and those kinds of things. And when you have multiple accounts, where do you withdraw from first? So that's an interesting question that we're going to dive into a little bit later today. We're going to ponder a quote of the month before the show is out as well. And our main topic today is really going to be analyzing some of the financial issues that are particularly challenging for women. So definitely stay tuned for all of that on the agenda today. But first, it's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Well, John, definitely anybody who's paid any attention to housing matters has seen that 30-year mortgage rates have dropped below 3% for the first time ever. Now, depending on when you're listening to this show, it's possible they've come back above 3%, but they've kind of been hovering certainly right around that nugget of 3%. So should we all go out and buy a new house or refinance right away? Well, Walter, that's a great headline to lead off this show with, because as a matter of fact, a little plug, we are going to be discussing mortgage rates, refinancing with home equity lines of credit and mortgage payments in our next planning podcast. Nice. Um, So that is a great, great headline. So as a retiree, should you buy a new house? Well, the better question you need to ask yourself is, 
do you need a new house? And why are you buying that house really? Are you downsizing or do you just want a new house, right? I've had clients that they just bought a new house. They didn't necessarily downsize. You know, downsizing could be a good thing, but if you are getting a new house, you need to look at it that does that new house, does that new mortgage payment add to the liability of retirement or does it help reduce the liability of retirement? As depressing as the comment may seem, retirement is a liability. So adding on even further to the liability, you know, those are some of the real tough questions you're going to have to ask yourself before you look you're looking to buy a new house. So kind of a, a somber way to start. Yeah, nobody you know, wants to hear it framed yeah, like that, John. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, <laughs> for a lot of my clients, they're buying a new house in a different state. So, you know, that makes perfect sense. And they're getting out of all the great costs and fun things California has to offer them in terms of expenses. So the other part of that question or headline was re about refinancing. And rates being this low, you have to consider it. But you know, if you're going to refinance, the first thing you really have to look at is, are you going to stay in your house you know, for at least five or 10 years? And is your interest rate really maybe what we'd say a percentage or more lower? So let's say you had a 4% interest rate. You may consider that refinance. As a matter of fact, just a couple of months ago, my wife and I refinanced our house at 2.7% from four. So if you're going to refinance, a couple of things you have to look at is the fact is that you have to realize that anytime you get that new loan, you're going to be paying more interest than principal for the first six to seven years on a 30-year. And furthermore, with the new tax codes, right, we're all in standard deductions for the most, not all of us, I'm actually still claiming uh, itemizing, but the vast majority, 86% of the nation, I think, claims standard deductions. So that interest isn't even deductible for those people. So you have to understand that you're paying your interest again, for that new loan. And you also have to look at how many years left do you have on your current loan? So if you only have like eight years left, you don't want to get a 30 year fixed again and start that whole amortization schedule over unless you have some specific things you're doing. Maybe, you know, you're taking out a loan for purchase and investment or whatnot, which needs to be carefully scrutinized. So, you know, if you have that current loan and you don't have a whole lot of time left on it, remember, you're now paying more principal and a lot less interest. But in the sake of time, those are all facts that we're going to discuss solely in the next podcast. Yeah, I look forward to that conversation, John. We are... Uh literally just days away from closing on our refinance as well. And similar story to you, going from 5% to 2.75. So we are, we're coming in just behind you. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a big 5 to 2.75. That's, I mean, that's a, a big nice jump. It's a nice decrease, very nice decrease. And that 2.75 is even with a no closing cost as well, which, I mean, it's just great. It's just a no-brainer to just jump in and do that. So. Yep, yeah. We're excited about it, and we're going from the 30-year to a 15. We're pumped. You know, it puts us in the position to have a paid-off house before we hit 50, and I think that's just uh, exciting to make that commitment. You know, it was very tempting to stick with the 30-year and really lower that payment a whole lot. But so we're already used to paying this amount. It's not because of the big drop in interest rate, not worth 
that much more than what we're currently used to paying to go ahead and knock this thing out quicker. So yeah, yeah, we made the choice to go that direction. But I like talking about housing and mortgages and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that next podcast. That's going to be a very good one. Uh, well, that's what's happening in the news. We'll save the rest of the mortgage talk for that next episode of the show. A good little teaser for you of what's coming up soon here on the Retire Happy Podcast. All right, let's talk about financial issues that particularly face you know a challenge for women. You know, I think many financial issues impact us all the same, John. I mean, there are certainly many things we could point to where it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, um, what you're all about. It's going to impact you the same as your next-door neighbor and the same as you and me. But, of course, other challenges will have varying impacts from person to person because, let's face it, we all are unique. And so I want to take a look at some of the financial retirement challenges that are unique to women on today's show. What do you think? Another topic that I absolutely love, I'm actually putting out a webinar that's specifically designed for women in retirement. And I really love this topic because, as a matter of fact, Walter, about a quarter of my clients are, are single women, some divorced, some widowed. And it's really, you know, becoming a, a focal point of my practice. So another very timely topic here. So to kick things off, I'm curious, what level of engagement? And I know we're going to have to deal with a few stereotypes here and feel free to kind of buck the trend on some of these things where there's pushback that's needed. Or at the same time, if something's a trend, it's a trend and we need to talk about it. But what level of engagement do you find that most women have in that retirement planning process within the household? Yeah. So obviously for those quarter that are divorced or widowed, uh, well, they're 100% engaged. But let's talk about you know a married couple. In my office, my clients, they're 100% engaged. And they really have a 50-50 decision-making split with their spouse, as it should be, because both spouses have their retirement, right? Just It's not one spouse shouldn't be making all the decisions for both of their retirement. And this is an absolutely critical, critical point to retirement planning for a couple. You both need to be engaged. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, I refused to work with a gentleman who came to an initial consultation. I say, hey, listen, if you're married, both of you need to be here. So he shows up without his wife. And he said she didn't need to be there, that he handles everything, and that she really doesn't care to know anything about it. And I told him, you are doing your wife a great disservice and you need to tell her she needs to get engaged because what happens if you pass and your spouse will have no idea about the financials and they're not financially savvy, you basically just added stress onto an already bad situation. Hopefully they know where all the money is, where all the accounts are, the insurance policies and the annuities. Hopefully they understand all that. But now, even if they know where all the money is now, they've been given the crash course of having to get financially savvy very quickly. So on top of already grieving for your loss, they're going to have to find an advisor and they're going to have to build up that relationship and they're going to have to get educated really, really quick. So, you know, unfortunately, there's still a lot of that out there. A lot of, you know, a lot of husbands, you know, aren't. They're, they're kind of going with that old school approach. That, yeah, we deal with the finances and, you know, I deal with the finances in my house, but I tell my wife, hey, listen, if something were to happen, 
this is who you call, this is why we're doing what we're doing. She has at least that brief understanding. And then we have a thing called a family estate organizer in my house, and I'm starting to roll it out to all my clients here in the next coming months where we're actually going to have a binder of who to contact and exactly what to do. Now, in my case, the spouses already know me, but we're taking it a step further for the beneficiaries. But if your spouse isn't engaged, you need to get them engaged or you better have everything spelled out exactly perfectly for them. And you need to have that talk with them that if you die, hey, this is exactly who you have to call. This is where everything's at. I think it's huge and important to have these uh, tough conversations sometimes, and you've got to give that pushback occasionally, John. Make sure people are, you know, you're not there to necessarily be somebody's best friend, but to give them good advice and guidance. And sometimes it takes pushing back a little bit. Why is it, I think if I went to Google right now and did some, you know, easy Googling here, I could probably find several articles on this, this theory or this takeaway that so many retired women right now are facing and finding themselves in increasingly difficult financial situations. Why, through your eyes, is that the case? Well, I would, and I bring this up in the webinar, there's really five main reasons. Number one, women continue to earn less in the workplace. And, you know, this is, again, kind of on a personal note, I'll bring up my two sisters. Women often leave the workforce for a period of time to take on the most important position that pays nothing of being a mother. Both my sisters were very, very successful. One was in the insurance and one was actually a a top national sales producer, had one of the top teams of her national company. And they went their careers and raised a family. So as a result, they're taken out. And in my one sister's instance, she just had to basically retool her practice in the insurance industry. In my other sister's instance, she left that whole sales behind and actually became got into the financial industry. So she went into a whole nother industry. But, you know, leaving that workforce, now you're restarting over as my one sister saw, so you may not be earning as much as she would have been, you know, having another 18 years with her other company. She would probably be in a very high position. But their Social Security benefits are going to tend to be lower. Why? Because they don't have any of that earned income. So that's number one. Number two, women are living longer. they usually about five years longer than men. So while they are enjoying an extended retirement, they also have a need for larger savings to cover necessary retirement income and healthcare costs for that longevity that we always talk about. The third issue is that women are more likely to be single later in life. And whether that's being divorced or widowed, women near retirement often face struggles that can be solved, you know, with that simple preparation that we talked about, but the problem is they don't have the they have the inability to capitalize on resourcing that pooled income from still being married and that expense disparity that exists especially when you talk about being a widow right because what do we always say you know you went from married filing jointly and then you know it may be suddenly or you may have known the spouse's death was on the horizon, but now all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be eventually going from married filing jointly to single. So your expenses often stay the same. 
you have now 100% of the responsibility and your tax rates go up because you went to that single filing bracket. And then, you know, women are, are what we call time starved. You know, they're spending on average 28 hours a week of unpaid work. And that's being, you know, the wives to us or the mothers to their kids at no, no matter what age or the daughters, right? You know, whether it's caring for their young or perhaps taking care of their aging parent, they spend 28 additional hours a week on unpaid type of work like that. Now, that's just kind of the womanly way that's in their DNA. And then lastly, it's women carry more debt. You know, they do earn more nowadays, but they're also borrowing more. And they're reaching their pre-retirement years with excessive student loan debt still. And obviously, if they are divorced or they are newly widowed, they have those extra expenses as well. So those are five of the main areas that, that we discuss in our webinar, but we often see with new clients of ours that are, are single women. Good uh, areas to kind of explain why we see this trend, these struggles. So when you have widowed women especially, let's focus on them for a moment because I know that, one, it brings with it a huge emotional challenge, but then what are some of the other specific challenges that widowed women face? Well, yeah, bringing up the example that I, I discussed earlier, if they weren't 50-50 engaged, they now have the displeasure of a crash course in financial planning. Not only that, you know, you just had this whole new financial responsibility dropped in your lap. And now you have to meet with a financial advisor who you don't have a relationship with, and you have to quickly figure out how you are going to fund your retirement along with having to understand that losing your spouse also comes with those increased taxes that we talked about, and not only the ordinary income tax, but the taxes of provisional income, which taxes your Social Security, and the IRMA tax associated with Medicare, right? On both of those fronts, you're going from married parameters to single filers. So those are really, you know, the major, major challenges. It's really now... All the responsibility is yours. You are making less because one social security benefit is gone or maybe a pension benefit is gone or reduced. Your taxes go up and you're also trying to figure out, you know, maybe you didn't, you know, in, in my house, I'm the, the one responsible if something breaks of either getting someone out to fix it or fixing it myself. So you also have that to deal with. Yeah, it's a lot to get dropped on your plate all at once, why it's so helpful to plan for these things in advance, but also why it's good if you didn't plan for it in advance to have somebody who can help walk you through the process, but certainly easier to do it one way versus the other. Can you maybe share a story with us, John, where a widowed or maybe divorced woman came to you for help and you were able to make a big difference? And can you show us kind of that that tangible difference you made in somebody's life? Yeah, you know, I don't have a that one specific story that, that I, I like to have. I'll just say this. The big difference that I think I've really made for a lot of my female clients that are either divorced or widowed is I've given them the feeling of being empowered, that they can do this on their own that they don't have to depend on their spouse, we've now designed a plan specifically for them. And they are comfortable with the plan we've made and the decisions 
they are making that makes the most sense for them and gives them the highest probability of success. And again, most importantly, they understand it, right? Oftentimes financial planning, it's intimidating, right? You have all these, all this terminology, all these mathematic calculations, you know, it's boring and it can be intimidating. So, you know, when we break it down to them and, and we tell that to them in plain language and they realize that, hey, I can do this. And this wasn't rocket science. We, we took the complex area, area, simplified it for them, and they're able to make the decisions to have an amazing retirement. I think it's that empowerment and the confidence that they gain that really, really makes a difference for them going forward. Well, it's important to think about these kinds of things and make sure that you are well prepared. So if you're listening to today's show and you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, you know, I haven't really gotten involved in the process with my significant other, whether you're a, a woman who hasn't gotten in the process and you've let your husband maybe take the reins on everything, or even if you're a husband listening to today's show and you haven't made sure that your wife gets involved in the process. And maybe it's vice versa, right? Like I'm sure there's some exceptions to this rule where, um, you know, the, the woman may be the head of the financial household and it's the, the, the man that's disconnected. Less common, I think, in, according to your ground truth, John, but certainly can happen. So either way, it's important that both members of the couple are involved in the process so that if it does become just one of you one day, you're well prepared for that eventual situation. If you want to get in touch with John, talk about your own financial plan, how you can put in together better strategies to be prepared for the future, give him a call, 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210, or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com, and we'll put contact information in the description of today's show to make it easy for you to find. All right, that's a good topic to discuss today. John, switching gears, though, it's time to get to know you a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. Well, we already learned that, you know, your birthday was recent, John, so we got to know you a little bit already at the beginning of today's show, but my question for you this episode, what's the single best day on the calendar for you? If you had to pick a day of out of the 365 each year and you could only live that day, which would it be? The first day of vacation. Does that count? <laughs> okay. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. It's really because, you know, my wife and I have this horrible thing that once the second day of vacation comes down, we already start counting down the remaining days <laughs> left. So it's like, hey, we only have eight more days of vacation. Oh, my God, vacation is almost over. So that would be the single best day. If, if we're looking at the calendar day of the week, I'd say Saturday. No alarm clock. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, no alarm clock going off for the, the gym. Uh, it's really our first full family day where everyone's all together. And, you know, if it's uh, February, March, then uh, Little League. And I still have Sunday to go. So those are my favorite days. What about you? If out of the 365, you had to pick one day, it sounds like maybe you'd pick a, uh, a spring Saturday. If, if you were, if yeah, picking, if, we, if we're looking at the calendar, I mean, obviously the first day of vacation is still my primary what, answer. But whatever, if we're whatever at, day of the calendar that falls on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, I, and honestly, I, I would, Christmas is cool. Yeah, of course, of course. I would say like the third day of vacation 
Because sometimes getting to vacation takes a lot of energy, and that first day you're just sort of recovering from that. Then you settle into that vacation groove on like day two or three. So Yeah, you know, that makes perfect sense too. <laughs> if we're going to overanalyze this thing to death, that's what I would yes. say. I'd say my single best day on the calendar would be, you know, October 20th or whatever Sunday is closest to October 20th. A good fall Sunday football afternoon is what I would pick. Ah, very nice. But why October 20th? I, I was just, you know, if I had to pick an actual day on oh, the calendar. Okay. I'm, okay. Just, I'm adhering to the question of picking one out of the 365 days. So uh, I don't know if the Sunday is the 20th or the 23rd or somewhere in that in that vicinity, whatever the Sunday is. That's what right. I pick. Although we may not, uh, you know, we'll see if we have, you know, a whole lot of football being played this year. I don't know. Yeah. Good by times. The time this, by the time this podcast airs, maybe we'll have an answer on that. I don't know. <laughs> We will find out. There you go. Getting to know John Amarino a little bit better on today's show. All right. Quote of the month, John. This is from Earl Wilson. This would be a much better world if more married couples were as deeply in love as they are in debt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's brutally honest, isn't it? Yeah. Brutally true. Yeah. Well. yeah. I honestly think it's one of the best quotes we've had. Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, divorce, for whatever reasons, has just become too commonplace. I I think it's kind of the easy way out for a lot of people, you know, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. You know, I think, you know, some people, unfortunately, divorce is the best option. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, for some, it's just too commonplace and it's just the easy way out instead of kind of working through some issues. Um, You know, my wife and I will be celebrating 10 years next month. So, you know, we're fortunate. I don't think either one of us can imagine life without each other. So that's definitely a blessing in that realm. You know, and then, you know, the other side of that quote, you know, I think people are absolutely enslaved to debt, especially in California, right? If you want that dream home for your family, and let's be honest with may not even be your dream home, you're probably spending $800,000 for about a 1,900 square foot shoebox. And, you know, add in the interest payments to the bank on that mortgage and we're talking that we'll be talking about in the next podcast and you're paying a lot more than 800,000 you know not to mention uh, there's a lot of people that like to keep up with the joneses out here you know and before the podcast we were talking about our last vacation that we went to uh last month in Scottsdale and a work colleague of my wife get this Walter had $600 Louis Vuitton flip-flops on at the pool Wow. $600. Now, I understand, ladies, you love your Louis Vuitton bags, and I'm not going to judge. I love my fine watches and my suits. Those are my guilty pleasures. But $600 on flip-flops. I I told him, are you out of your mind? $600 on flip-flops. Or actually, I think I I, I I call them flow hose, right, to really bring up a throwback. And then I took off mine and I showed him my $20 Sinooks that I'm really proud of because, by the way, Sinooks are the most comfortable flip-flops ever made. And I'm like, man, I, I was just besides myself. So, you know, you have those people that are keeping up with the Joneses and they have kids and then they get divorced and now those expenses just doubled. So, great quote. Yeah, it's one to keep in mind for sure. And I love your story about the uh, the sandals and the flip flops. I I felt like that with shoes growing up. Everybody was always talking about the having the latest Jordans or whatever the case may be. And I was like, 
man, I got that rack room, buy one, get one half off deal, and I'm set for the <laughs> year. And I, how many pairs of shoes do you have in the closet? Just one. Yeah. <laughs> and and last year's pair to mow the grass with. That was that's sort of my uh, way of going when it comes to shoes. But we all have our guilty pleasures. You're right. So we just sink it into something else. It seems we've all got, we got to take the log out of our own eye when analyzing some other people's uh, choices, I think, but that is a, a good story nonetheless. All right. Time to wrap things up for the week. But before we do, John, as always time to answer one of our listeners questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And this week's question comes to us from Millie in Fallbrook. By the way, if you want to submit a question, you can do so on GoSecurus.com or email John, John at GoSecurus.com. Millie says, which of my accounts should I withdraw from first when I retire? My 401k, my Roth IRA, my brokerage account that mainly consists of mutual funds, or the extra cash that I have in the bank? I think this is a great question because a lot of people get to retirement with accounts just like these and maybe in some cases with several additional smaller accounts or additional accounts. And yeah, where do you start pulling the money out from first? Well, first of all, Millie, I love that name. That was uh, my grandma's name. So uh, great name, great name. So to answer your question, don't really have a great answer for that question because it really depends on your tax bracket. Traditionally speaking, and this is still a mistake that some advisors out there are making because I just heard I was on a conference call where they were talking about spending that taxable money first. You know, traditionally speaking, we're always told that that taxable brokerage account should go first, then you pull from your IRA, then or 401k, and then your Roth IRA. But mathematical analysis and tax brackets don't always back that up anymore. And as I've stated in the past, that 401k and IRA, they're some of the worst tax vehicles in retirement because they're taxed at ordinary income rates, where brokerage accounts are taxed at more favorable capital gains rates, especially if you're holding on to them for over a year because you get that long-term capital gains rate. So those lower capital gain rates of 15 or of zero, 15 or 20%, depending on your income level but it will always be lower than the ordinary income. So the big thing I'll tell Millie is, first of all, your brokerage accounts should not have mutual funds in them because they're triggering what's called phantom capital gains. So you're paying capital gains taxes even if you're not taking distributions and in in some cases, even if you're losing money. You know, we've had several podcasts where we've talked about that in depth. So Millie, I would advise you to talk with an advisor who is well-versed in tax management planning to devise a plan of where you should take that money. Because as we talk with our clients that have multiple accounts, it may just be in, in any given year, depending on your tax liability, you just may take the money from one of those accounts, whether it's taxable or the uh, IRA, the tax deferred, or you may take a combination of the two or even three to manage a tax-efficient income strategy. So that's something where you definitely need to have some planning on. There's a lot of different variables. Your taxable income definitely will come into play. Obviously, the last money you want to take from is your IRA or your Roth IRA, excuse me, if you don't have to. 
It's a great question, Millie, and absolutely, thank you so much for sending that into us. Feel free, if you have a question like Millie's, get in touch with John. You don't have to feature it on the show. You can just talk one-on-one if you prefer. GoSecurus.com, that's GoSecurus.com, or give a call to 858-935-6210. Before we uh, are done for the week, John, you mentioned a couple of times throughout today's show that you have a video series that covers some of the important things that we've talked about today. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and where people can find it? Yeah, so uh, again, under on our blog, on our website, our Facebook page, Securus Financial, our Twitter, at GoSecurus, or our LinkedIn page, you know, we're putting out two videos a month. We, tr- we try to get down to about five minutes. One's a market update, and one usually coincides with one of our planning. So, you know, we'll do an in-depth, good 30-minute podcast on a planning topic, but we might just hit a main point topic, uh, you know, on the video. So uh, our last one of the ones that we've done in the past were the five pillars of planning, which we had an in-depth podcast, but we just had about a six or seven-minute video on it. You can find it on our website, under our blogs, again, any of the social media that I mentioned, or if you're on our email list, you will get an email for the video. Very cool. Just go to gosecurus.com, and under the About section, you'll see the blog. You can click there and check out all sorts of great videos, past episodes of the show, blog posts. It's all compiled there, easy for you to find in one place. Well, John, thank you for the help on today's show. I'm looking forward to talking mortgages with you on the next edition of the podcast. But until then, take care, enjoy being a year older, and I'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. We'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thanks, John. For John Amarino, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.